Good morning. It's great, great to be together. Uh, he is the way, right? Would that, would that actually be true? Anybody a taker? Anybody ready to receive that? He is the way. He is the way. We make a, a big boast about Christ because um, great things of him have been spoken, right? And he has done amazing things like that song, Resurrecting Me, or If the Son Sets You Free, You Will Be Free Indeed. Like, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Anybody need any freedom today? Right? Yeah? <laughs> we do. We need exactly what Jesus uh, comes to give to us. I invite you to be a part of the 21-day fast starting on March the 1st. Gabriella really meant to say, it's a fantastic opportunity. You'll find an insert in your program that talks about the 21-day all-church fast. Uh, We've done this for several years, but I I will tell you, there's something about a critical mass of people. So let's just, you you can decide to be a part of that. A critical mass of people setting aside um, what may be normal in in some of of the way either you eat or participate in uh, social media or whatever. You set that aside, and instead of partaking of what you normally would do, you insert time with God in that place and you, you, you pursue uh, your relationship with God. You pursue the God who is pursuing you, all right? And I want to uh, encourage you to read this insert because it answers, hopefully, a lot of questions for you about like why the fast and what fasting is and how you can participate and what it could mean for you. So we really uh, allow you, certainly, there's a lot of opportunity to uh, ask Christ what it is that you are to do and to enter into the fast in a way that means something to you. And I will just say that if, if I set aside something to and, and, and replace it with uh, seeking God's face, if I set aside something that means much to me, like then it'll mean much to God, right? If I set aside something that doesn't mean much to me, like if, if, I, were, you know, if, I, were, if I were to say, I'm going to give up playing video games, well, I don't play video games. So, yay for my fast, right? That would not mean much. But if, but if I, you know, but if you give up something that means much to you in order to pursue God, then it means much to God, okay? So he kind of, he sees the heart in all of this. So I want to encourage you uh, to uh, pray about that. We're telling you ahead of time so you can actually get geared up for it. And we're actually doing practice of that on Wednesdays of every week when we set aside time. We're encouraging you to do that. Set aside time, uh, a meal or some uh, activity that you normally would do on Wednesdays and, and instead spend some time with God into his word that we will talk about today and just ask God to press that word into your life and into the life of your family and into the life of our church together. So I'm pretty excited about what this is going to all mean for us moving ahead. Poverty 101 and 201, uh, you might say, well, yeah, it's not for me, but you might be surprised. There's so much to, to learn. And I invite you to uh, follow through, register for that, and uh, partake of that here uh, at PNC. I think it's going to be awesome. Today's really a special and difficult day. Yet a day of celebration for Lighthouse Church up uh, on, you know, you see it off of 512 when you uh, are on the freeway. But uh, Art Hunt, the founding pastor there, as you know, passed away 
just a few um, yeah, weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago. And, um, and so this afternoon is the memorial service for that church. Oh, man, I tell you, uh, there's, just gonna, there's this weird mix of, I mean, in art's words to me, man, God is good. God is good. It can only get better from here because of eternal life, like life after this life uh, with Christ. But at the same time, there's this grieving and this great and, and fairly sudden loss. So wouldn't it be great just to pray for that church right now? Yeah? So let's stand, and we're going to pray for that church. All right? We're going to pray for that services today. I know probably the whole day is an emotional day, uh, but a day of clear, clear celebration. Heavenly Father, we agree together that your Holy Spirit would be over that congregation today and over the many lives that Art and Naomi Hunt have influenced over the years. We pray that in this sudden passing, really, of Art's life from here, that we would indeed, all of us, and everyone who is cognizant of this, would take into consideration that we are, in fact, to number our days, knowing that if we will pay attention to you, knowing that, that really this life is a gift, that we would live it well for you so that we may also enjoy it forever with you. I pray blessing upon that church. May you just do extraordinary things for them today. I pray that today people would be converted to Jesus. I pray that today that people who have wandered away from you would return. I pray that your name would be made magnified, be made great as it is, that we would see you for how awesome you are. And through the testimony of Art's own life, I ask you, Lord, that Jesus Christ would become the most important person in many people's lives today. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you. You may be seated. Okay, we were made for more. We were made for more. We were not made for more stuff. We were not made for more prestige. We were not made for better positions. We were, not, we were, we were made for more, but it's not the more that, that sometimes our estranged hearts, like when we're estranged from God, the flesh begins to cry out for more of this other stuff that does not satisfy the soul. It will not give you life abundant. We run after these things. We crave for these things. We want more. We want more. We want more. We're dissatisfied people. Many, even those who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ, live an anxious, discontented, striving running, exhausted life. Because we are either purposefully or inadvertently in pursuit of something that will fill the void within our lives when all along there is this Jesus who says, come to me. Come to me. So the last few weeks we've been talking about how we were made for more and that there is, there is more love that's been given that we haven't even begun to, to, uh, 
to enter into the fullness and the depths of the love of God for us and that love flowing through us to others. Helping us increase our emotional capacity to love others as Christ has loved us. We've been talking about in the last few weeks about how there is enough time rather than rushing around, rather than understanding that, that, that feeling like I'm just too busy, I don't have time, that if Jesus were to say, come to me, we said, thank you, Jesus, that was a very generous offer, but I have no time. But I will get to you later. But we're discovering that we really, once we stop being anxious and stop running after all these other things and start seeking first what most matters to God's heart, And when we take his yoke upon us and begin to slow down and learn from him and not live the hurried, harried, harassed life that many of us live, I don't care how religious you are, how spiritual you are, how much of the Bible you know, this whole culture can influence us greatly in creating in us an anxiety and a discontentment a restlessness. So what we're discovering that if we take Jesus seriously, we take his yoke upon us, we begin to learn from him, not only the yoke of you know, how, how, to, how to live in relationship to God and to others, but also a lifestyle of prayer, of withdrawing to be alone with the Father in conversation and renewal, of Sabbath, of slowing down, of simplicity, if we learn to live more into the lifestyle of Jesus in our own particular lives and, you know, stations in life, seasons of life, no matter what season that is, if we will do that, we will find rest. And we'll find that we there is time. There's enough time to do the will of God in your life. Right? So, these these are these are this this is radical stuff, right? Um, my um, I, I suddenly got a FaceTime from my from our older daughter this week. She was, lives in Southern California, as many of you know. She had just finally decided, man, um, she needed to go out for a run. She just finished a run listening to last week's message, right? So she called me up and she she, she said while she was listening to my message about not hurry, she was running, which I thought was kind of funny. But, of course, it talks about a different kind of hurry here. And uh, she said, did you know, and I just finished listening to a version five-day devotional by John Mark Comer on ruthlessly eliminating hurry from your life. So if you will look at the bottom of the message notes in version today, you'll find reference to that, that version five-day study. So if you want some more help in this, it's there in your version under the event for, for our church PNC today. Because you see, Jesus is up to setting us free. He wants us to actually be set free. That we would see the dismantling of the strongholds of fear, unbelief, and insignificance. Dismantling. Anytime I think about dismantling something, it usually means that there's a mess, right? When you dismantle it, it usually is... You're, you're ripping things away and pulling apart and tearing down walls. You're dismantling. So if you're going to dismantle unbelief or fear or insignificance from your life, 
You're going to have to get in with your hands. You're going to have to pay attention to what Jesus says. And you're going to have to tear down some strongholds. You're going to have to tear down some of the ways that you have been behaving like and believing. Like unbelief. Just like I have not been believing you, Jesus. I agree with your words, but I don't really believe them. Um, so, dismantling these strongholds. And so that's what we've kind of been talking about, is how to dismantle some of that. And so today, we just want to talk about this other piece, that not only is there an abundance of love, you know, there's an abundance of time, which like still, you know, creates a, you know, sparks in my mind whenever I think that that is actually true. But there are an abundance of resources as well. So to jump into this, what I'd like for us to do is is to read some more passages that help us come into, if there's enough love, so our emotional capacity can can be expanded. If if there's enough time so that we really can serve God well, and there are enough resources, and we are actually expanding our, our missional availability. We're actually saying to God, I'm available to you, right? I'm available to you. Instead of saying to all the other drives and discontentment and gods of our world, by our actions, we say to all these other gods, we say, I'm available to you. But now we're switching it. The change is afoot. Transformation is stirring, Okay? So, you remember that Jesus offers us abundance. There's an outrageous offer of abundance. In Luke chapter 12, verses 22 to 34, we we find some of the same teaching of Jesus that we talked about last week, where it says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you wear. Don't, don't, you know, life is more, life is so much more than than food and, 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 and clothing. Life is so much more, and and. God takes care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. So he's going to take care of you. Are you not more valuable? See, more, more, more. See, life is more than. And are you not more valuable than? And, and in this way of speaking, then Jesus says something absolutely amazing. Two verses that we'll look at for a moment here to set the stage for all that we will say today. Jesus says to his disciples, do not Be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Little flock. Remember last week, it was little children who would be able to see what Jesus was up to. It was, it was little children. Father, you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, but you've revealed them to little children. So the, the importance here was that we would become, remember that, that we would become like little people. We wouldn't be just so wise and learned, filled with our own opinions and, you know, and, and just, um, you know, defending our normal way of living. Instead, we would become like little children. And we say, Jesus, if you have something to say, I'm ready for you to teach me. I want to hear what you have to say. I'm willing to become little. Um, our ability to form such strong opinions, such 
that, that, that kind of hold God at arm's length. When I was a young pastor in the church, I, I, I've said this to you before, but it's such a memory in my mind. I just like only been a pastor for a couple of years, and there was this man on the church board, and, um, and we were talking about a problem, and then we were talking about what the Bible said, and he actually said these words. He said, well, that may be what the Bible said, but that's not the way it is. And I like, <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> I don't know. What do you say? But that's how a lot of us live. Well, that might be, well, that's nice, and that's what the Bible says, but that's not the way it is. So we're not little children, right? Not little children. So it's for the little children, but he says, now do not be afraid, little flock. And the word little there is kind of like the, the from, from our, it sounds like this, my, micron, my, micros, like micro, like little, little flock. So he says, it's this message, this teaching is for little children. People are willing to be little people, not big smart people, who are willing to be poor in spirit, who said, Jesus, teach us because we need you. And it's, it's for the little flock. In other words, few in number. In other words, he says, he says to his disciples, hey, you little flock, hey, you few people, in, uh, you few out of the great masses in the world, it is your father's pleasure to give to you the fullness of the kingdom of God. Oh my goodness. So on a, on, a little, on a little people who make up the little flock, Jesus says the Father's pleasure is to unload on you the entirety of the kingdom of God. Isn't that like crazy? So when you think about the kingdom of God, what was he given to us? He, he, was, he was given to us he is giving to us this amazing mission of the kingdom with kingdom relationships and resources, full provision of relationship with God, a powerful and integrating effect of the work of Jesus on the cross, all the abundance of the Holy Spirit, deliverance, healings, grace upon grace. Everything you need, Peter said later on, everything you need for life and godliness. Or Paul said, we have been blessed in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing that there is. So the Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. The Father is not cheating you. You have not been cheated. You have not been cheated. We have not been cheated. We just simply haven't opened the gift. Right? Because we're really busy. And on the go. And haven't slowed down. And we're anxious. The Father has been pleased to give us the kingdom. Here it is. And then, in that he says, do not be afraid. You just want to say that with me? Do not be afraid. Now, the reason I need you to say that is because the next thing that Jesus says is going to make you afraid. (laughs) The Father's been pleased to give you the kingdom. Little flock, little people, little, you know, you're open, you're hungry. You want everything that Jesus has. You're just a little flock. I'm giving you the whole kingdom. So then he says, don't be afraid. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Ah, dad, come. I hate it, right? Because he actually said, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor. He's really saying you're free to do that. You're free. You're free to dispossess. See, since what you possess does not possess you, it has no hold on you. And you are free to give away from yourself and not be diminished in any way. And you are free to lift others without losing anything essential to yourself. 
Because the Father has given you the kingdom. So now you can sell your possessions willy-nilly. Whenever the Holy Spirit leads you, whenever you see needs, you can just freely, 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 the Father has given you the kingdom. You can sell your possessions and you can give to the poor. How awesome is that? And nobody said amen. How awesome is that? Look at that. Look at that kingdom abundance. Look at that. Look at this joy right here. It's just like Jesus is overflowing with, he's just on a roll here. Don't run after what the pagans are going after. You seek first God's kingdom and what is, what, is, what is good to him. You just seek him first. Don't be afraid, little flock. The Father's good pleasure is to give you the kingdom. Go, sell your possessions, give to the poor, and that way you will, you will profane money. You will store up treasures for yourself in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is, he goes on to say. And he's just like, I, I, I just think Jesus was probably like, He was just at a pinnacle in his teaching at that moment. Wow. Don't be afraid. The kingdom has been given to you, so you are free to give. That's it. That's it. So there are are plenty of of resources, right? What what, what an extraordinary thing this is. All right. So, is there anybody who actually did this? Is there, is there anybody who did this? Is there any example in the scriptures? So now I want to I direct you to a story of believers in Jesus who actually believe Jesus. Now there's, there's a phenomenal thing when believers in Jesus actually believe Jesus. Right? <laughs> it shouldn't be that hard to find. <laughs> But actually, when it is found, it is a beautiful thing. When believers in Jesus actually believe Jesus. And so the story I want to direct you to in this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. So you can look there in your Bibles or on your Bible app, and you will see this, this story. It's one of my favorite, actually. It's, it's huge. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's radical. It's it doesn't add up, but it's, it's kingdom mathematics. All right? Here it is. And now, brothers and sisters, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth about another church, the Macedonian churches. And by the way, just to give a little study, the Macedonian churches were, you'll see, very poor. Uh, Corinth was a, big, was a big city. It was like a big city church. And they were, there were people that... They, the Corinthian, Corinthian church had a problem with being little people because they were often filled with pride, a lot of spiritual pride, and a lot of, you know, a lot of division and infighting and not a lot of gratitude. And there was like all kinds of stuff. I mean, I mean, how, any, any of you ever been to a church that, that is a mess sometimes? Raise your hand. Everybody should be raising their hand right now because that includes this church, right? So sometimes churches are a mess, and Corinthian was a mess, and, and uh, there was this famine, there was a famine going on back in Jerusalem. So this is Corinthians, like that's, that's, that's in a um, whole other part of the world. It's a Gentile church, and, uh, and the Jewish church back in Jerusalem was suffering a famine. And, in other words, it was desperate, and people, people were starving in Jerusalem, 
And so Paul was, while he, while he was spreading the gospel of Christ and establishing churches, he was also collecting an offering from the churches all throughout uh, the world at that point. And he was intending on bringing their offering back to Jerusalem to help relieve, relieve the famine, to help feed people. Okay? So it was a, it was a social cause. It was an endeavor to relieve somebody's hunger. Okay? And so... Um, so the Corinthians had made a promise that they wanted, they said, we want to give, but they never followed through. Okay? They hadn't followed through yet. So Paul is writing to them, and he says, Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Whoa. <laughs> These people didn't even have many possessions to sell. But look what it says. This grace of God given to these poor churches... In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So I, I just want you to look at this, this equation, right? Uh, you put together a very severe trial, right? And overflowing joy with extreme poverty, and it equals rich generosity. Hmm. That's, that's kingdom mathematics. This is a result of the grace of God. These are people who have been given the kingdom of God. Now look at that. Very severe trial. That, those are not light words. Like they're going through the hardest time in their lives. Yet they had overflowing joy, which combined with their extreme poverty... To well up in rich generosity beyond what they were able. Now, I think you would just say, miracle, right? It's just a miracle. Here, here, here's, here's what's so interesting. They who had a little, and what little they had was under extreme distress. They gave, and it welled up. They, they, even they themselves are surprised. Oh, it just like was rich generosity. We, how, how did we do that? How, how, how did we give that? How did we do this? It's more than what we could afford. And yeah, look at the end here, how much it is. This is um, an amazing story of believers in Jesus who actually believed Jesus. When he said, go, sell, you don't have to be afraid. Give yourselves away. The Father has already given you the riches of the kingdom. Pretty, pretty astonishing, right? And then it goes on and it says this. Uh, the next one is, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Remember, it says, I'm going to tell you about the grace that was on these people, but where did the grace come from? The grace came from what they saw in Jesus. Here's the grace of our Lord Jesus, though he was rich. Yet for your sake he became poor. See, he just emptied himself 
so that we, through his emptying, through his poverty, so that we might be rich, rich. Not always wealthy in terms of, you know, in, in terms of this world's, world's wealth, but we might be rich, that we might be like, oh, man, the riches of the kingdom of God, right? The, the abundance of joy, the abundance of peace, the abundance of reconciliation, the abundance of spiritual power, the abundance of the fruit of the Spirit and the giftings of the Spirit of God, just the abundance poured upon our lives. Man, what a way to live life, amen? Given, just given, just given to us, given to us. Entirely on their own, their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege. They pleaded for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us also. It's pretty amazing. All right. Um, here's a few, here, here are a few bottom lines for this, okay? Which takes us to the next chapter. So we're kind of tracking a little Bible study here, right? We're going to go from what Jesus taught, and then we're going to go to, we're to an example of people who believe what Jesus said, all right? And then we're going to end with some really basic, beautiful uh, ways of thinking, some deep conviction for your life. In order to, uh, so when you think about embrace abundance and crush the mentality and the myth of scarcity. Embrace abundance and crush scarcity. All right? All right, here it is. Remember this, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Don't be caught in scarcity, he's saying. If you close your hand in the present, you will close your heart for the future. Right? If you close your hand in the present, you close your heart to the future. So he's just saying, so generously, so generously. You know, a lot of times when you first sow, you never see any immediate return, right? You understand that? I want to return the next day. How many want that? Return the next day. Hey, I sold love into your life. I want love back right now. You know, I sacrificed something for you. I want to see it back right now. Okay, I'll give you two days. Sowing so generously, reap generously. And what you reap may not be what you expect. If you, if you, if you sow a glad and generous heart, then you're going to reap joy inexpressible. You're going to reap an increased capacity to enjoy God. You are. You are. It's, you, you, when you sow a, generously into the lives of others and you sell and give and you just have this mentality that you're going to profane money by giving it away because money always wants to be Lord. You profane money by giving it away when you do that. Guess what happens? Your capacity for experiencing more of God just increases like this. So I, I, I um, we we pastored this uh, this church, uh, one church that was debt free, like we are right now. Praise be to God. We'll be celebrating it later. We'll announce it. It's later in March. We'll celebrate it. But um, 
there's a church that I shared this with our church board. The, the church was debt free, but the church was really uh, just like under Lord Mammon, under money, just under the anxiety of money. By the way, you can always tell when Lord Mammon is trying to rule the situation by how the emotional temperature in the room changes when the discussion is around money. Have you ever noticed that? You're, you're a couple. You're doing fine until you talk about money. You, you're with other people. You have an enterprise. You have a business. You have stuff to do. Everything's fine until you start talking about money. Seen in the church a thousand times. When mammon is in control, the emotional temperature changes when the discussion is around money because there's a lot of anger and angst and fear. Whoa. Oh, it's just like frightness to think that that can happen. But it does. So on this one, this, so, we, so we saw the breaking of Lord Mammon over this church, the spirit of scarcity. When, when, we, when we were going to build, uh, we felt God was leading us to build a family life center, and they were going to do it debt-free, which is their way. And, and so, but here's what we decided. So I presented this to them, and it's amazing, because God was already doing work, and, and, and we adopted it, and it was an amazing thing. But we're going to give... 10% of everything we raised for that building, we were going to take it and use it as a matching grant to give to other churches and projects that they needed to do. And so it was so much fun. And so we just took, we just took what was being raised. And you know when you are raising, you just like every penny, right? You just want to grasp. That's what mammon does. But the kingdom just wants to Give. And so we helped the we helped the United Methodist Church uh, put a new roof on their church because it was a small congregation. They didn't have the money to do it, but they matched, and and we you know they they raised and we matched, and we did that with several other churches that were were and and not in the position to do what they needed to do, but but over a period of that like one point three or four million dollars that was raised, about one hundred fifty thousand or so many was just given away, just given away. Why aren't you celebrating? We ought to be jumping up and down saying, Woo! Because we just kicked mammon in the teeth. And that wasn't even as generous as we needed to be. You can't lose. You sow abundantly, you reap abundantly. Each of you, here it is with conviction, right? Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion or pressure, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. <laughs> Laughter ought to break out when we give. Laughter ought to break out. God is God, such a God of abundance, right? And, and, and verse 8 says this, and God is able, and this is what you, with conviction, right? God, we give with conviction. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I just like, I love this. It's just that, that, you know, the cycle of sufficiency, right? And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you having all that you need will be able to abound in every good work. And it just, it just, it's just in that, in that cycle of sufficiency, all because of the grace of God. I like how the, how the message translation says, God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. 
as the psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right living, right giving ways never run out, never wear out. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every other way, producing with us great praise to God. Oh, my goodness. So, so here we are. What shall we do with Jesus? Shall we believe in Jesus, but not believe Jesus? Or should we test it and see that if out of the grace of God, generosity flows from us, mammon's gripfulness is defeated, scarcity is thrown in the trash, and great praise is brought to God because of his own inexpressible gift to us in Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah. So if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. And there's a lot more freedom that Jesus has to give than you and I have ever experienced. Freedom from mammon. Freedom from running. Freedom from anxiety. Freedom from impurity. Freedom from any bondage that you can name. Whatever is sucking the joy and peace out of your life, whatever is destroying your relationships, whatever has caused your relationship with God to grow cold, the power of Jesus Christ. He's right. Can set you free. Amen. Let's stand. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we're, we're not going to probably see what you want to do in us if we are not honest about where we're in bondage or where we are fearful and anxious or where we are striving and hurried and running. But if you can show us these, these places where we're not free, then you can begin to help us see how to be free in you. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us. We've said that we believe in you, but we have not believed you. So I ask that you would help us understand that you've given to us the kingdom of God, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingly rule of Jesus in our lives, an abundance of love and joy and peace, provision, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the example of the believers in, Cor- in, in Macedonia who, 
who were under severe trial and had extreme, extreme poverty. But their hearts were right and they wanted to participate and they, they just like, their, their, their hearts just resulted in rich generosity. They surprised even themselves. Thank you, God. Do not be afraid, little flock. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Forgive us. Forgive us for diminishing the kingdom, your gifts. Forgive us for thinking that the the things the world can give us are greater gifts than what you give. We're so sorry. We're, We're being so stupid. Help us to see that what you give us is far better. Far better. Thank you, Lord. So as we normally do, I just invite uh, prayer ministers to come. And and if you want to be uh, prayed over, then, uh, yeah, just come. We'll be happy to bless you with more of the kingdom, right? And I I guarantee you that when we pray something like that, we don't don't even know what we're talking about. (laughs) Because what God gives is so, so amazing, right? He wants to do so much in your life and for us all.